You know, nothing compares to nothing compares to having things having things to be well in your soul. <clears throat> Cuz there's so much going on in life, there's so many challenges, so many difficulties, so many things that we have to face and stuff you got to deal with and uh um there's so much unrest, so much anxiety, so much challenge, so much uncertainty that, um, you know, when you're able to say, it is well with my soul, then things are good. Even if all hell breaks loose, exactly. things are good. Things are good. I did want to mention this morning that next Sunday we have a baptismal and um, some of you who are going to be baptized, I want to, I want to encourage you to see Shelly after the service so that she can go over some of the details that you'll need to know for next week. And then she, she also has some special little cards for you to take and invite your, your friends and your family and your enemies to come and be a witness, be a witness to your, to your baptism. So be sure if you're being baptized, see Shelley after the after the service this morning. Mother's Day, Mother's Day is a challenging day. I was talking with uh, one of my friends who's been a friend for many many years, and uh, he took care of his mother for for a long 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 time. She was um, not able to get out, not able to move. Uh, he took care of her and, and ministered to her and, and really loved on her for, for years and years and years. And then uh, actually shortly before he and I became acquainted and met, uh, his, mother, his mother died. And he said that it was always, always difficult for him because um, she was you know, so special to him and she cared for him and took care of him. And then it was his turn to take care of her and... Uh, it was just it was just one of those things that for him it was it was really really uh, both hard and challenging and special at the same time. And his mother would tell him things, even though she could no longer walk around and move around much. She would tell him things that would just stick in his in his mind and his heart. Uh, stuff that uh, he really really needed to, as far as life is concerned. Mothers, mothers may not get paid adequately. In fact, uh, how many of you would agree that uh, there's definitely an income problem Amen. when it comes to mothers and what they deserve? They, they, they ought to be paid the most. Do you all agree with that? Amen. Do all the guys agree with that? All right, guys, start chalking it up. <laughs> Husbands, you're going to have to start paying double. And some of you are saying, all right, I'm in for that. Double of nothing is... Oh. Oh. Not good. Mm-mm. You you leave here and crack a joke like joke like that when you get home you might not eat today. <laughs> right. 
take care of your take care of your wife take care of your mom moms they really do they they work hard they labor hard they're like the energizer bunny as i said a little while ago they just sim sim seem to go on and on and on and on and on and on they don't quit they don't stop they go from this project to that project to laundry to cooking to dishes to diapers to this to that you know to filling out applications for college to you know helping helping kids when things fall apart and they're 39 years old and they call home and mom's there to answer the phone and say it'll be okay honey it'll be okay you know i mean they just moms never stop being moms and even when all the kids go away, the mother is still like, how can I help them? How can I pray for them? How can I do this? How can I do that? It's just, it's just, it's a built-in thing. And God's the designer. And all the rest of us are the beneficiaries. I mean, it is phenomenal, phenomenal to think what mothers do and how much they care and how how blessed we are because of all the things that that they do and the stuff they go through. I'm confident that uh, all the moms have have stories to tell because every mom, every mom has kids. And kids and stories are synonymous. They go together. Some of them are pretty amazing. Some of the heartaches and challenges are pretty amazing. And what I want to do this morning, a little bit different than normal, uh, is I, I want to just kind of run through, if you'll run through it with me, I want to run through the life of Mary. just want to follow it through with uh, a couple of comments here and there. And then, and then I want to share with you three things about Mary that really epitomize and and uh, identify uh, this incredible life. There's so many things that she went through that you can you can identify with, and so we're just going to talk about this together. And here's Mary, who's 16 years old at best, and she is really excited about her future. She has tremendous plans and hopes. She is looking forward to a life with Joseph. She is anticipating that she's going to have kids. She's looking forward to having their own home and their own place. And uh, she's just excited. She's really, really excited. You know, uh, most girls, most girls, uh, they, they have this built-in mechanism. If you've noticed, most girls carry around dolls. You know, and, it's, and contrary to some of the stuff that is being taught these days, it's it's not just because they were given dolls. This is this is part and parcel of the way that God has wired uh, females, and and they become moms. They 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 care about babies. They want to take care of babies. They want to play with babies, and uh, you know most guys want to kill something. I mean, I it's just. Uh, most guys want to play with guns and toys and bows and arrows and swords and that kind of stuff, you know. I mean, it, it's just the way it is. You know, guys want to hunt and moms want to take care of kids. And uh, 
So here's Mary, she's about 16 maybe, and she's engaged to Joseph, which is a commitment of marriage. It's not just like an engagement today where you can bow out of it. It was a marriage commitment. And um, anyway, she's looking forward to that. And the Bible tells us that Mary, when she's, um, when she's by herself, that the angel Gabriel shows up to her and, and says, Mary, and by itself... Right there, you know that Mary is a very unique young lady. The angel shows up and says that she's highly favored. God has chosen her. God has selected her. And uh, her response, as we know, and we'll look at this a little bit later, uh, her response is a willingness to go along with whatever it is that God has in mind for her. Now, she's been thinking about this relationship with Joseph and marriage and her future and her kids and society and everything else being all so wonderful and, and, and neat and, and all packaged up. And all of a sudden, everything is thrown into a complete and total chaos for her. You see, it's not, it's not acceptable culturally, socially, in any way for you to become pregnant prior to the second aspect of a Jewish wedding. There is... The first part, which is a commitment, a covenant, but there's no intimacy. And then there's the hupa, which is the second part, which is the culmination of the marriage commitment where they actually move in together. So if you end up getting pregnant before the hupa, which is the second aspect of the Jewish wedding, I, I really think that it's amazing how they selected these words and chose them because it kind of does make sense, you know, when you think about it. Uh, we'll move on anyway. I mean, it's, 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 never mind, never mind. Anyway, so Mary finds herself now pregnant, pregnant. And you know, the solution to this situation can be stoning by stoning, death by stoning. Mary is facing this reality. She's also facing the reality of an entire city of Nazareth and all the people she knows, including family and friends and everybody else, totally rejecting her now because she's pregnant. I mean, would you believe Mary? Would you believe her if she showed up at the local synagogue and you were there and Mary says, guess what? I'm pregnant. Whoa. That's not kosher. You and Joseph haven't haven't finished this thing yet you haven't had the second part of this commitment you're not married in the sense that you're not living together yet so what really happened mary what happened was there some soldier that came through town that decided to have you did you what happened mary nazareth was a place where lots of soldiers came and went it was it was not a very uh, identifiable place in terms of a place you'd want to go and live. It was kind of like the armpit. So you have, you have this poor woman who is now facing all of the challenges of total rejection by society and family and everybody, and most important, rejection by Joseph. Joseph, this angel showed up. And the angel said that I was highly favored. <laughs> uh-huh. Uh-huh. And I, I'm, I'm going to have a baby, and the baby's going to be the Son of God. 
<laughs> so what I want you to understand is that here's Mary who's looking forward to a whole life and the excitement and anticipation of all of that. And all of a sudden in this one visitation, everything is turned upside down for Mary. Everything. She doesn't know what's going to happen. She has no idea what's going to take place. You can understand why Joseph, in the, in the, in the book of Matthew, Joseph decides that, that he's going to do something about it, but he's not going to make a public issue of it. He's not going to have her stoned, and he's not going to make a public thing of it. He's just going to quietly divorce her. How does that help Mary? You're Mary. How does that help Mary? It, you stay alive. But in terms of the society you live in, the people that are surrounding you, the rejection that you face is incredible. Incredible. But God speaks to Joseph as well. And Joseph says, God spoke to me and, and told me to take you as my wife. And, and Mary is, is so thrilled because... She now has someone who has been spoken to by the Lord as well regarding this issue, and she's so excited and so filled with faith. But don't, don't minimize the rejection that their entire city is now placing on both of them. I mean, well, what kind of stuff is she hearing about Joseph now? Joseph, you know, Joseph... Uh, uh, you're the one that probably did this. <laughs> Otherwise, you wouldn't take her. You wouldn't take her. So regardless of what they say, they are facing incredible, incredible rejection from all the people that they live around. Now, in that culture, listen, it affects work. It affects livelihood. It affects the ability to, to have a living. Mary and Joseph had struggles and rejection and hatred. And people really, in some ways, wished them harm and, and probably even wanted them to leave because they were the black scar on the community. So you're Mary, you're, you're a mother. You're going to be a mother, the mother of, of Jesus and the Messiah. Joseph accepts that. So you go and you grow and so on. After nine months, uh, they have to go to Bethlehem to register, 70 miles plus trip or whatever, and, and they have to take this trip. And so they take this trip. Mary goes along, the hardship of it, the challenges of that trip as a pregnant woman. They come to, to Bethlehem and there's no place for them. There's no place for them. And she's about ready to give birth. And as a man, uh, I don't know what that's like. I've watched it. I've observed it with my wife. I can only tell you that, um, for example, when Isaiah was, was being born, we were making our way to the hospital and... We were in traffic, and I was, I was trying to come up with ways to go through red lights safely and do whatever I could to get there. And my wife was, you know, here, she's the one that's pregnant. She's the one that's giving birth. She's the one that's saying, it's time, it's time. And yet she's saying, no, it's okay, it's okay, it's time, it's okay, it's okay, it's time. 
All the wives and moms know what I'm talking about, and all the guys know what I'm talking about. Anyway, you end up, as we did, we end up in a situation that was not very comfortable. We arrive at the hospital. Ruth gets out of the hospital, and here comes Isaiah. Pop! <laughs> right, there in the, right there in the parking lot. So, you know, we're thinking, wow! You know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of amazed that Ruth is just so calm and collected, you know, and, and we go through the process, and he's, he's born and everything else, but... Here's Mary. Can you imagine Mary? There's no place for her to go, no place that's sanitized, no place that's safe for her to have this baby. The only place they can find is, is a place that's made for animals. And I don't know about you, but the last time I became acquainted with the smell of animals and about this whole uh, experience of the, quote, manger was when I was back in Indiana with Ruthann's family and we visited them and they, they take care of animals and they live on farms and stuff. And, and uh, I remember going with her to see some of the animals and stuff. And I'm telling you, it's not, it's not Beth, Bad and Beyond, you know. I mean, it is, it is, it is not the place you want to go to to just kind of relax. And it's the last place you want to have a baby. There's no place to put the baby. Anyway, so here's Mary. She's gone through the rejection. She's going through the challenge of this, this, uh, this birth, not having a place. And then after that, after that, you find out that there's these wise men that show up from the east who want to come and, and worship this child that's born. And so she, she goes into this incredible sense of awe and wonder about this child. And then shortly after that, she's, she's told by Joseph, you know, in the middle of the night, we're leaving. We're headed to Egypt. Egypt. So she becomes a refugee. And not only is she a refugee, but she hears about Herod and how Herod has all the male children under two years old murdered, slaughtered because of Jesus, her baby. So she suffers not having a place to live. She suffers from the guilt of what happened to all of those boys because of her, because of Jesus. The guilt and the hardship. And then she comes back. They come back after Herod's death and, and Joseph and Mary. They established their lives once again. And we know from the scriptures that, that she has a couple of more children, a number of children, a number of boys. And so we find also that uh, she uh, and Joseph are involved in raising these kids. And we know that she takes care of them. But, you know, I, I don't think we really comprehend the challenge of raising a perfect child. And the conflict that that would cause between the other children. I know every child thinks they're perfect. Yeah, they all think they're perfect. But this is a reality here. You know, these kids are growing up and you can imagine how the conflict and the strife between the kids, and I mentioned it, I think, I don't know, a number of months ago or whatever, how can you imagine 
one of the other brothers coming to mom saying, saying, mom, mom, to Mary, mom. Jesus said so-and-so. And can you imagine Mary going, come on, Jesus? <laughs> Not Jesus. He's perfect. He didn't do that. He didn't say that. I mean, there was no way of winning when it comes to being a sibling in that home. They couldn't, they couldn't say anything about Jesus. They couldn't do anything against him. The guy was perfect, perfect in any way. But when you, when you think about raising Jesus and raising these other kids, she was a mom who loved them and cared for them and, and met their needs, and, and she did everything that every mom does. And she was really proud of her children, just like every mom is proud of their kids. In fact, you remember after Jesus started his ministry when they were at the wedding? And Mary, Mary is telling the, the servants, you know, to, to do whatever he says. And she's trying to get her son to turn the water into wine, you know, and all of that. And she, she has a little challenge with, her, with, her, with Jesus who says, you know, Mom, it's not time yet. Not time. And then towards the end of that marriage, he turns... Perrier into Chardonnay. <laughs> She's proud. I mean, you can imagine being Mary, the mother of Jesus. But not just the mother of Jesus, even her other kids, she was proud. And then she was also a single mom. After the wedding in Cana, we don't hear anything about Joseph anymore. There's no record of him whatsoever after that wedding. So something takes place. And now she's a single mom taking care of these kids and raising them. In fact, on one occasion in Matthew chapter 12, you, fi you find Jesus and, and her sons, uh, I think almost the sons in particular, doing, maybe doing some kind of an intervention to try and keep Jesus from causing himself harm. Because Jesus is out there saying things and people are getting ticked off. And I'm sure that the brothers who already thought he was over the top, already thought he was crazy. They didn't believe in him. They didn't trust him as the Messiah. They thought the guys lost it. I remember when David, my brother, was talking to me and writing me letters about Jesus, and I was not yet a believer. And I thought he'd lost it. I really did. And I'll never forget how my brother Tom went to visit him, and he was reading his Bible and telling me that just a few days prior to my arrival, he had trusted Christ something. Oh, no. <laughs> what is going on here? They're falling like flies. <laughs> now, if I felt that way about my brothers... Can you imagine how Jesus' brothers responded to him? Like, oh no, he's out there doing stuff again. <laughs> Bringing bad news to the family. Who knows? You know, causing trouble for mom. Knock it off, Jesus. Come on. I wasn't there. I don't know. But I'm just sharing with you that as a mom, can you imagine Mary being in, in this constant, constant battle between these two worlds and her relationship with her son Jesus and the Messiah Jesus. There was a constant struggle going on there because Jesus was not only her son, Jesus was her savior. And she had to deal with the other sons who didn't believe and made fun and ridiculed. 
And then you fast forward and you come to this incredible point in time when Jesus, Jesus surrenders himself voluntarily and he's taken away and he's ha- he has a couple of mock trials. And can you imagine a mom hearing about that, saying, it's not true, it's not true. He is the Messiah. Come on, people. Right? I mean, moms show up when people get seriously in trouble, when people stand before a judge and they have committed crimes. Moms show up because they care about their kids. Jesus was perfect. Jesus didn't do anything. I'm sure Mary's there watching, waiting, looking. He's beaten and bruised to the point where he can, he can hardly be recognized as a human being. His hair is ripped out of his face. Can you imagine mother, a mother looking at her son and thinking, I, if, I could just, if I could just have him for a little bit, I could, I could fix him up. I could clean him up. I could kiss his, kick his, kiss his head where those thorns have been shoved in. I could, I could bandage him up. I could love on him. The feelings of every mom. But she couldn't. She couldn't. That's another thing that mothers experience and Mary did too. And that is the, the place and time in life when you can no longer do anything. You can't. You have to trust somebody bigger than yourself. You have to trust God. And Mary did that. Mary put her confidence in God as God continued to take her son Jesus to places he'd never been and this world had never known. But when she was that 16-year-old, I'm telling you, she never ever dreamed of this. Never dreamed of this. And you know what, moms? Especially moms that have children that have grown or are groaning, growing and sometimes groaning too, but <laughs> children that are growing up, you know, you, you understand. There's, there comes a point in time, moms, isn't this true, where you can't do anymore. You can't fix it anymore. A Band-Aid won't do. You have to trust someone bigger, stronger. You have to trust God with your kids. Mary was there as well. Mary was there. So Mary experienced everything that you experienced. Mary knows what it is to go through pain and rejection and heartache. She knows what it is to be pregnant. She knows what it is to be amazed. She knows what it is to be stunned. She knows what it is to be... uh, to be the one who suffers rejection. She knows what it is to be in a place you can't call home. She knows, she knows what it is to, to have children who need help and she can no longer help. And, and Mary understands what it is to be a mom. But what I want to do in the few minutes that we have left is I want to just share with you three things about Mary that made Mary special and three things that make any mom special. Three simple things. And I'm going to give you three words and you can write them on the front of your program if you choose to. The first thing that you know about Mary and I know about Mary is that Mary was favored. Mary was favored. In Luke chapter 1 and verse 28, 
When Gabriel shows up, he said to her, Hail, favored one, the Lord is with you. Favored. Mary was favored. How many of you would like to be favored? Having heard what I just shared with you about Mary and all the challenges and struggles and pain and agony she went through, how many of you want to be favored? See, we have our own idea of what it means to be favored. We really do. Anyone, anyone who comes to understand the grace of God recognizes that they are highly favored. Everyone. Mary was highly favored, but so were you. If you know Christ as your Savior, you are highly favored. You have been selected. You have been chosen. You have been, by God, touched for a very special and unique purpose in life. Being highly favored doesn't mean that you have a nice, smooth sailing experience through life. You don't just float on clouds all the way through. Being highly favored means... There's a lot of ups and downs and a lot of pain and a lot of heartache. But being highly favored means that you are a vessel. You are a vessel through which God does things that are absolutely miraculous. They're big. They're powerful. They're incredible. They're eternal in scope. Highly favored. Highly favored means you're selected for something really, really special. Mary was highly favored. Highly favored. The second word I want you to write down is that Mary was faithful. Mary was faithful. Somebody told me that faithfulness, faithfulness is a long walk in the same direction. Faithfulness is a long walk in the same direction. Mary was faithful. Do you know what Mary said to the angel in Luke chapter 1 and verse 38? Mary said to the angel, Be it done unto me according to your word. Mary said, God, I'm all in. I'm all in. She knew the she knew the the trouble that she was going to face. She knew the rejection she was going to face. She knew the potential of death. She knew all of those things. And yet she said to God, I am all in. Faithful. And she was all in from the beginning all the way to the very end. She was faithful. Faithful. She taught Jesus when he was a kid. She raised him to understand Scripture. He was, he was obviously God, but I mean, you know, he still, the Bible says that he grew in wisdom and knowledge with, with men and with God. I mean, Jesus was one that needed to be taught. Jesus was one who needed a mom who was committed, who was all in. And she was all in. 
Mary was all in when all the events around her were against her. Are you listening? Being faithful is not a momentary decision for an hour's experience. Mary was all in for the duration, for the long haul, for her whole life. She said, I'm in. I'm in. How many times do you think Mary thought, I think I want out? (laughs) I mean, moms, come on. How many days go by before you think, oh, man, can I get a pink slip? But you don't, do you, moms? You don't quit. You don't give up. You don't do that because you're all in. You're all in for the long haul. These are your kids. They're your kids. It doesn't matter what they do. They're your kids. They come home, you hug them. You love on them. You pray for them. They leave home, you pray harder. (laughs) they have they start having kids and you start thinking about how to help them with their kids and sometimes they the children who are having kids reject your advice and say oh man i read these books or whatever i know better than you and you as a mom you're thinking okay it's okay it's okay i'm trusting god with this i'm not going to give my daughter a pink slip Faithful, faithful. Mary was faithful for the long haul, for the long haul. And then the last word I want you to jot down, and probably I think the most important one. Not only was she favored, not only was she faithful, but she was a follower. She was a follower. It just amazes me when I think about Jesus and his relationship with his mom and how the mother is not just the one who brings him into this life, but the mother is now the one who's dependent upon the life that she brought into this world for her own salvation. She is a follower of Jesus Christ. I'm confident that she tried to help the other, the other siblings to understand Your brother's not normal. And they all say, yeah, we know that. (laughs) No, I'm confident she tried to help them to understand he was the Messiah. I'm confident she defended. She defended Jesus to the people around who were making fun of him. She even went back after him with passion because she cared about him when, when he was still in Jerusalem after they left, after the Passover. I mean, Mary... Mary, she was a believer. She was a believer. She was a follower of Christ. And she got the wish, she got one of the wishes anyway, that every mom wants. Every mom who's a Christ follower, every mom who knows Jesus, wants every single one of her kids to say yes to Jesus. 
It's one of their greatest desires. Mary got her wish. Acts chapter 1 and verse 14. The Bible says this is after the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It says, These were all with one mind, continually devoting themselves to prayer, and along with the women, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. Boy, can you imagine? Can you imagine being in that prayer meeting with Mary? Jesus said, go and wait, and I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. They're gathered there waiting for the Spirit of God to come. And here's Mary and Jesus' brothers, who were not believers before. Can you imagine the joy in her heart? Knowing that her, sa- her son lives, her son gives life knowing that her son is the Messiah who grew up and gave his life so that her other children would become believers. And now they're huddled together in this room waiting for the, for the gift of God, the Holy Spirit, to come. And she's right there, united with her, her, her own kids that did not believe. Praying, waiting. Being a mom's hard work. Being a mom's painful. Being a mom is something I just am so thankful God did not call me to sign up for. <laughs> I thank God for moms. I thank God for my wife. I thank God for Mary. Mary was favored which means that she didn't select her future and she didn't get to determine how it was going to go. She knew she was favored by God and she knew that God had a special plan and she was along for the ride. She was faithful. She said, I'm all in. I'm all in. God, wherever you take this, however you lead this, whatever end it comes to, whatever happens in the process, whatever pain and sorrow and joy I have, I'm all in. I am not, I am not quitting. Faithful. And she was a follower of Jesus, which made it all possible for her. So this morning, let me just end with this one recommendation. She was favored, she was faithful, and she was a follower. Those are essential elements for any mom. In fact, those are essential elements for anybody on the planet. Are you a favored, faithful follower? Are you? Father, I thank you today for the moms, and I pray, Father, your blessing on them. Father, I thank you for Mary's example. Not perfect, special. I thank you, Father, for the opportunity for us this morning to each one of us, moms and not moms, to give, to give a response and to say, I know I'm favored because I was created on purpose. I know I'm favored because Jesus died for me and rose 
I know I'm favored and there's a whole lot of wonderful things in store. Lord, today, maybe you want to make this your prayer. Just say, Lord, today, I recognize I'm favored and I want to be all in. Lord, help me to be faithful. Help me to be faithful. If I haven't been in the past, Lord, help me to put the past behind me. And help me to choose today to say, be it to me, unto me as you desire. I'm all in. And then help us, Lord, to be followers. Our strength comes from you. Our hope is in you. Our lives are in you. God, make it so this morning. Help us to be favored followers who are faithful. In Jesus' name, amen.